You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. It is good to be here this morning. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, yes, I met, met Daniel and Paul through um, our meetings together at Christ Together. It's been a great uh, opportunity to gather pastors together uh, to see that we are not uh, individual churches out, out there on our own, but that we are one church here in Statesville that are called to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's been a blessing to have uh, Paul and Daniel uh, be a part of that group and, and really not just come and be a part of the group, but, but actually live it out and believe it. And so um, I thank you, uh, Grace Covenant, for uh, living out what God's calling uh, is on our life. Uh, Paul had come to me a few months ago and asked if I would be interested in speaking uh, with him and another church and doing kind of a, a pastor swap at our churches, and I was all on board for that because anything that we can do to, to help show that we're in unison and um, trying to, to work together, I feel, is a great cause for us. And so uh, myself and Tim Stutz from uh, Front Street Baptist Church, along with Paul, are, are taking the next three weeks to uh, go. And, and I've been uh, calling this, uh, I think Paul uh, said it was one heart's head, and I miss that, hands. Uh, we've been calling it Mission Possible because... We know that God has sent us on a mission to reach our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's empowered each one of us as followers of Christ to go and do that. And so um, it, it is a possible mission uh, because God makes all things possible as he is living out um, his calling in our lives and through us. And so uh, this morning as I talk, uh, the part that they asked me to speak about was being the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is a huge task because if you read throughout Scripture, there is a lot of uh, passages, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, about serving, about being the hands and feet of Jesus. But I want to back that up just a little bit first because really the, the goal of, uh, of living and being the hands and feet of Jesus is for this verse, and it's from Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, verse 14. And you don't have to turn there because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm going to use uh, go to a couple different uh, verses. But Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now think about that for just a minute. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. We were singing this morning about how great the Lord is. Wouldn't it be awesome to see the glory of the Lord spread throughout the whole earth as the water covers the sea? That's, that's the point of saturation. And, and if we want to think about our city being saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glory of God needs to go out. We can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to, to share what he's done uh, for us. And so this makes me excited. And I hope that this vision for gospel saturation excites you because it, it really excites me and it really drives me to, to do what I do, to, to go and, and share and to go and live out the calling that God has placed on my life is, is to, um, because what God has done for me, I want to now go and do uh, for others. God has a plan for reaching the world and he has called, gifted, commissioned, and sent uh, every one of us to go and make disciples. Do you believe that this morning? That God has called, commissioned, empowered, and sent you uh, out? Uh, if you don't believe it now, by the end of the, the service, I hope that, that I can share that with you. Uh, David Platt, who is, um, I'm from a Southern Baptist church, and he is over the International 
uh, mission board, which is our uh, our sending agency for international missions. And he uh, said before that the, the church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. And so as we think about that, he, he has equipped and given us the church to be his plan for uh, sharing the gospel and seeing that spread throughout the, the world. It's a little bit scary to think of, isn't it? That's a big plan. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people that God has called us and said, hey, we want to send you out. But, but the cool thing is, it's not just Grace Covenant's job to do that. It's not just the Oaks Church's job to do that. It's not Front Street's job or any other single church here in Statesville. He has called all of us to go and do that. Every believer it takes to reach every uh, person who is far from God. And so he has equipped us, he has commissioned us, and he has sent us out um, to go and make disciples. And that is his plan for us. And that's how the, the saturation is going to happen uh, on this earth. And so that excites me, and it, it, it gives me the energy to get up and to go and do what I do and to help equip. Now, one of the jobs as pastors is, uh, and, and I think the primary job as pastors, is to go and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4, that our job is to equip the saints, those who are followers of Christ, to do the work of the ministry. And so uh, as leaders, as church, uh, as pastors, as, uh, as equippers, that is our job is to equip the saints to do the work. And so I want to share with you a little bit about that and how that works uh, as we see it in God's Word. And so if you'll open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, I want to share with you from uh, Isaiah chapter 6 this morning. Uh, let me just pray for us as we get started. God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, come and, and show the unity that we seek as believers here in Statesville, that we can uh, even um, have pastors come to different churches and, and share, and that we can uh, work together and, and trust one another and, and uh, be encouraged by one another. God, so I pray this morning that you would uh, just fill us with your spirit, that you would uh, unite uh, these churches for your kingdom's purposes that you would help us to, to see you for who you are, to understand who we are. And God, I pray that that would uh, motivate us to go and, and serve you. Lord, I pray this morning that you uh, just uh, speak through me, uh, fill me with your spirit this morning, and allow your spirit to just uh, be present in this place. And God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you might ask yourself, what needs to happen before we can be sent out. And I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 6 because I think it really shows the pattern that's all throughout Scripture of, of how we ought to be sent out. Now, we can go and tell you, and I can stand up here and I can say, it is your job to go and reach the world. And if I'm a good speaker, if I'm a good motivator, I can get you to do that. I, I might could get a few people to do that. But, you know, if, if it happens out of my power and out of your power, it ends up dying off. We get burnout. Have you ever heard of people getting burnout in church? That should not be the case, that we get burnout in church. But I've heard that and I've seen that happen lots of times, and it's because we're being self-motivated. It's because we're, we're trying to do this work within us that we think is, is good work, and it is good work, but, but we're doing it for the wrong reason. And Isaiah, I think here in chapter 6, really sees the reason to go, and I want to share that with you this morning. So let's just read uh, starting in verse 1. 
says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Now that would be an incredible sight to see. Just want to pause there for a minute. That would think about that for just a minute to to have this vision of the Lord and and he's so big and so awesome and and he's got these seraphim that are flying and and they're they're having to cover their their eyes and and they're they're singing holy 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That would be just in itself an amazing Thing. And then, then it's, it's so powerful that the threshold shook and, and it's filled with smoke. And, and then listen to what he says. Isaiah says this. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What happens is, if we want to be sent out, and we truly want to not... Uh, be sent out in our power, not be sent out by our own motivation or by the motivation of others just by changing our behavior. We need to first see who God is. And we need to see Him as holy, holy, holy. We need to see that He is set apart and that He is perfect and that He is awesome and great and all the things that we sung about in the songs today. And as we worship Him for who He is, He reveals Himself to us. Scripture says he, he reveals himself to our hearts and he, he shows himself to us. Isaiah had this experience as he saw the Lord and, and he didn't just see himself then as, as a, a prophet. Isaiah was a good man. He was a, he was a prophet of God. He was called out by God. But when you come face to face with a holy, holy, holy God, you see yourself for who you are. And that's exactly what happened to Isaiah because look at what he said. He said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. He understood at that moment as he stood face to face with the holy God who he was. That he was unclean. That he was unworthy. Because he was a man. He he was a sinner. He had sin in his life. And apart from the saving grace of God, he's nothing. And, and he, he recognized that. He recognized who he was. He recognized that he was a man in need of this holy God. But, but not only that, he said, and I live among a people who are unclean. So he recognized that he was not better than anyone else around him. He was, they're all equal. He was not more righteous. He was not more holy. He was as unclean as the guy next to him. But God was holy. So he recognized who he was, and he recognized how much he needed God. And it says, For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he, he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. 
And then comes the sending part. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. As we, as we look in Isaiah, we must see God for who He is. We have, we have got to understand that God is holy and righteous and set apart. And how awesome is it that a holy God loves us so much that He came to dwell among us and to live a perfect life for us, to die the death that we deserve, to give us a life that He earned. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That, that to me, is amazing to think about the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's what motivates us. When we understand who we are and that we are in desperate need of God, of, of salvation, of the gospel, and then we receive that good news and we understand that, that my life now is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I, I'm no longer guilty of the sin. I'm no longer condemned. I'm no longer ashamed. I'm set free. I'm no longer enslaved to sin. I'm, I've been set free. That's what Isaiah was understanding here. And that's when we can say, man... God has done something great in my life. Now I can go and share that with other people. So we must see God for who He is. We must also recognize our desperate need for a Savior. If you look at the news today, we can, we can come up with thousands of ways that the world needs a Savior, can't we? It, it's, it's really very sad to look at the news and to think, this is what our world looks like. But how often do we look at ourselves and do we say, whatever sin I committed today is just as bad as the worst sin out there? Because we, we, look, we tend to look down on people and we build ourselves up and say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. But here Isaiah is saying, no, we're, we are all in desperate need of the cleansing power that only can come from a holy God. And that's what changed his heart. And that's what allowed him to, to see who he was and his desperate need for a Savior. And when we recognize who God is and who we really are, we cannot not go and tell because we are so radically changed that we must tell others. He heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, Here I am. Send me. All throughout Scripture there's this idea of sent, being sent. Uh, we can see it all throughout, uh, starting even in the garden. God sent Adam and Eve out. Now, he didn't, he didn't just crush them right there, did he? He sent them out with a promise that, that one day he's going to uh, send a redeemer to, to cover the sin that they brought into the world. We see Abram was sent out to a, a people that he didn't know, to a place that he didn't know, and he was sent by God. And God didn't say, you go out there on your own. No, he went with him. We saw Moses was sent. We saw Jeremiah uh, was sent. We see the, the people, even as they were sent into captivity. I love in Jeremiah chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 29, but um, he talks about uh, you have gone into this place, uh, into this uh, country of captivity. He said, don't just wallow in your pity there. He said, 
get planted, have kids, get married, have your kids get married, have grandkids, get jobs and work so that the, the city around you can be prosperous. He, he sent them and he said, don't just keep the good news to yourself, but, but start living your life and, and live out the good news of your life in this area that I've sent you. Jonah was sent. Daniel was sent. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sent. We see it over and over and over again throughout Scripture that people were sent, and they were sent with a purpose. They were sent to go and and share the good news of Christ and to live out their calling as people of God. Even the nation of Israel was supposed to be a nation of priests that were to, to display the glory of God to the world around them, and, and they didn't do that well, but that's what they were called to do as God's chosen people. So they were really sent into the world, and they ended up turning it in on themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we think about this thought of being sent and sentness into the world, I want you to ask yourself this question or, or think about this, this phrase, whatever God does to you, He wants to do through you. I think about that for just a minute. Whatever God does to you, He wants to do through you. If He has saved you, He wants to go and, and have you go and seek to uh, point other people to that. If he, He's redeemed us, He wants us to go and, and seek to uh, bring redemption to other people. He's restoring us. He wants us to go and restore the things around us. He's been our advocate. He wants us to go and be an advocate for others. Whatever God's done to you, He wants to do through you. And, and the coolest thing is in John 20, uh, verse 21, it says, As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, now I am sending you. He sent us out, and the, the, the most amazing thing is, He says, I'm not going to send you alone, but I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I'm going to be right there with you. And, and He gives us His Holy Spirit living inside of us to, to testify to our hearts and to others the need for Jesus. God is so faithful to us, and, and we cannot be the hands and feet of Jesus until we understand who God is and who we are and then what He's called us to. If you flip over in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for just a few moments. In 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 14 through the end, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Alright, so he's saying we no longer live for ourselves if we are in Christ. We are now controlled by God. Um, our, our lives are his. Christ controls us. And we no longer live for ourselves, but for, for him, for Jesus. It says, from now on, uh, in verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that has a a mouthful in there, but I wanted to point out a couple of things that kind of go along with the Isaiah 6 passage now that we understand who God is and who we are and and that we're called to be sent out. Paul's talking uh, now to believers and he says, we are changed when we encounter Christ. Our life is no longer our own. We've been set free from the slavery of sin. We've been set free from the bondage that comes with that. We've been set free from the condemnation that we felt from sin, from the shame of sin, and that's the good news of the gospel. If you're hiding from shame, if you from from your sin, and if you feel uh, condemned, and if or if you're condemning others, the good news of the gospel is that Christ came to set us free from that, and that we can share that good news with other people, and instead of looking down on them, we can lift them up and say, Christ died for you. Christ sets you free from this. And he says, we're, we're a new creation. And I think the coolest part of this, uh, what he's called us to, is it says he's given us two different things. He says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, but he's also given us the message of reconciliation. All right, and th- those things go together. We can't have one without the other. And so the ministry, if you think about the hands and feet, the servant of Christ. We're called to be servants. We're called to go into the world and serve others as as we seek to make disciples. And so think about where you live, where you work, where you play. You're called to be a minister of reconciliation, bringing the peace of God into the lives of those around you through the work that you do, through your hands, through your feet, through your, your, your actions. But he doesn't just stop there. He says you've, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation, but you've also been given the message of reconciliation. You see, if you look at the life of Jesus, he, he rarely went, he, he always went and he served people, didn't he? He always went and he brought healing, he brought um, good news through physical things, he fed people, he you know, gave them things that they needed, what they truly needed, not what they wanted, but what they truly needed. But he also followed that up with a message of reconciliation. He would, he would meet their physical need and then he would point them to the kingdom of God. And so we've been entrusted with those things as well. It's really easy to go and, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to serve others. And that's a great, I love serving. I love going and helping people um, that are in need. And it's, it's probably easier to do that, right? I think we would all agree it's easier to help someone than it is to, to speak the good news of Christ into their life. But that kind of falls on us as pastors is that we've not equipped each other to, and, and the people to, to speak the good news of the gospel into each other's lives and to speak that. And so uh, we, we need to take the blame for that and we need to work on that. But he's given us the message of reconciliation 
to go and share as we do the good deeds for people to share why we're doing the good deeds. It's not for our own glory. We're doing it for the glory of God and to build His kingdom and to to show them what God has done for me. Now, I want to do for you. And so if we believe that in our heart, then that's going to come out in our actions and in our words. The ministry and the message both center around the gospel, which brings glory to God. And it changes it. I've heard people say, well, I have to go do this. Have you ever said that? I have to go and do this because I signed up for it or, you know, they put me on the list to, to serve in the nursery or they put me on the list to go and do this or, you know, today we're having a, a we're going to help someone move their furniture and I have to go do that because I'm a guy in the church and I got a truck and they expect me to do that or whatever it may be. We, we, we get in our mind, I have to go and do this. And it becomes burdensome to us because who in here has a, an empty schedule? Raise your hand if you got an empty schedule. I don't see any, any hands up. We all have busy lives. And so instead of the mentality of I have to go and do this, as we understand our desperate need for God and that, that what He's done for us, He wants to do now through us, we change our mind from I, I, I have to do this to I get to do this. I get to live out this life, this unbelievable life of, of service to the King of Kings that, that picked me up out of my death and He's given me life and now I get to live my life as a living sacrifice to Him. Man, I get we get to serve Jesus with our lives. That is awesome. Who, who can say I get to serve the King of Kings with their life? We get to say that. And we ought to be shouting that from the mountaintops that, that He has saved us and He's now called us into His, his plan to save the world. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And so we don't have to do it. We get to go and do that. There's a guy that is down in, in Atlanta, and he's in one of the um, poorest neighborhoods in Atlanta. And he is, he's really seeking to uh, bring the gospel and see restoration in that community. And... You know, he and his wife, and I think they have six kids. They moved into this, um, into this impoverished neighborhood, and they they opened their home up. They actually built a house that has extra rooms so that they could have people come and live with them that are in need. Um, and, and they're they're very generous with everything that they have. And and I've gotten to go down to his church before, and went to a conference there, and I've heard him speak several times. And one of the things that stuck out to me that he says over and over again. He says, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. And I, I thought about that for a minute, and I thought, this you know, sounds kind of corny, but, but think about that. We teach what we know. We can be really good at teaching about Jesus. We can be really good at teaching about what God's Word says is right and wrong, or what, what God's Word... Um, you know, tells us we can be good about teaching the gospel. But God's called us to, to make disciples and to reproduce who we are. And, and if all we are is people who come to church on Sunday morning, and, you know, maybe we help out with a few things at the church, but we're really not living our lives for God's glory, 
That's what we're going to reproduce, is we're going to reproduce a bunch of consumers that just come to church to, to hear um, God's Word, and then they go back to their normal life of, of the everyday busyness of life, and they don't take God with them in it. But God's called us to live it out in our day-in and day-out life. This book ought not to just be our roadmap for Sunday morning. It it's, tells us who we are and what our response ought to be to God. And as you look in the book of Acts, you don't see people saying, okay, well, we're just going to set aside a, a little bit of time on Sunday and we're going to get together and we're going to sing some songs and we're going to worship God and then we're going to go about our, the rest of our week. No, they were living life together. They were meeting needs as they came up. They were, they were eating in each other's homes. You know, one of the things that I think we've lost is the art of, of hospitality in our homes. Uh, opening our homes up to people and inviting others in. I think we've lost that. We look at our houses as a place of refuge that we can get away from the world and, and we, we've kind of idolized our house and, and put on our house what only God can do. God is our refuge. God is the place that we go to for strength. God is the one that we go to for renewal. Not our home, but in America we've turned our homes into a place that we go and we shut the door and we put down the garage door and we, we lock ourselves in and we build privacy fence and fences in our backyard and we say, the world can wait until I come back out. <laughs> and, and, and we hide ourselves away. But you don't see that in God's Word. God's people were always with others. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Think about that for a minute. How many friends do, do we have that are outside of the church that are not followers of Christ? A lot of good Christian people don't have any. They kind of get, get tied in more and more to the, uh, into the church body. And, and, and we tend as, as church leaders to say, come and do this instead of go and, and live your life for God's glory. So we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. The cool thing is, it's going to come out, uh, because in Matthew 12, 34, it says, out of the overflow of our hearts come our actions and our words. And so what we truly believe in our hearts is always going to be revealed in our words and our actions. I've got a, a short little video I want to share with you about gospel saturation, and then I've just got a couple more things I want to share, so if we can just play that video. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he left his disciples with a, a mission to make disciples of all nations. It's interesting, when you think about discipleship these days, a lot of people tend to think it's just a curriculum or a Bible study, maybe a class you attend, maybe just some spiritual disciplines you learn. But when you look at the life of Jesus with his disciples, you realize for him, discipleship was an all-of-life thing. They ate together, they, they played together, they walked together, they talked together. He knew them, they knew him. They could watch what it looked like to really worship and follow God in everyday life. 
And so as I define discipleship often, I'll say it's leading people to increasingly submit all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. It's an all-of-life thing. When we see the everyday normal stuff of life as the place in which we could engage in mission, we're actually going to reach everyday people. And we're also going to be able to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. See, if all they think of is church is an event you go to, then they think the rest of life doesn't really matter. See, we've got to get away from the idea that the only people who get to be the church are the ones who get to be on a stage on Sunday, or the people who maybe are the professional pastors or leaders. That church is not primarily a Sunday event. He lived and died so we could be His people, through whom He fills every part of the world with His presence. He plans to saturate the earth with His glory through us, His church, making disciples of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. I don't know if you caught what he, he said there toward the end, but he said, church is not just a Sunday event. It's, it's our life. God has called us to a life of uh, li- living every moment of it for his glory. How do we live out the mission he's called us to? How do we do that in our everyday life? We've got to understand that church isn't somewhere that we go, but it's, it's who we are. We, we are the church. God has called the people the church. It's not a building. It's not a place that we meet. It's, it's us. It's followers of God. And he sent us out into this world. And, and wouldn't it be nice to think of your schedule and think, well, I don't have to add more things to my schedule, but what if I just become intentional with the things I'm already doing? What if I just take work, for instance, and I use the, the relationships I built at work for the glory of God, and I, and I build relationships with people, and what if I eat with some of my coworkers instead of sitting at my desk and, and checking my email when, I, when I'm on lunch, or what if I go and have coffee with someone, um, you know, on, on my break and, and sit down and, and hear them? You know, so, so where we work, what about where we live? What if we think about our neighbors and those around us? Do you know your neighbors? Do you know their names and their stories and, and what's going on in their lives? Do you know their, their hurts and their, um, their hopes and their dreams and uh, maybe their struggles? God, God put you in your neighborhood for a purpose. He sent you into your neighborhood, onto your street for a purpose. And what about where you play? I know uh, lots of, of us have kids that are in activities, that do dance or sports, soccer or baseball or things like that. And what about the relationships there? What if we thought, thought about life and say, I just want to be intentional with the people that God has sent me to, and I want to live out my life, my relationship with God with the parents that I meet on the ball field. And I want, to, I want to get to know them, and I want to hear their stories, and I want to invite them into my home, and I want to show them and live a good news life in front of them. And the cool thing is, when you start living out a good news life in front of them, people are going to ask you about it. And what does God tell us to do? He says, when someone asks you for the reason why you have the hope within you, share it. So, so my challenge is, live a good news life, and then when people ask you about it, give Jesus as the answer. 
He's the reason that we, that we live the way we do. He's the reason that we have hope. He's the reason that we have joy in our circumstances, no matter what they are. He's the reason. A couple of practical things that, that you can do is, is think about the rhythms of your life. And I want to share six of them uh, that, are, that are real easy to think of. And then I'll, I'll be finished. Uh, Paul said it, he speaks for an hour and a half. Is that right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm almost done. Um, I, I want to share just a couple of rhythms that, that all of us do. We all eat, right? How many of you eat? We all eat. Most of us eat three meals a day. Now, I like to eat a little more than three meals a day. But we all eat at least three meals a day. What if you... So that's 21 meals a week that you eat. What if you gave up one or two of those meals a week and said, I'm going to use this as a time when I get to know someone that I, that I don't know. Or I'm going to sit down with a coworker, Or I'm going to invite a neighbor over to have coffee or something like that. What if you just ate a meal with someone intentionally trying to get to know them? The, the next one is to listen. We all have people around us that want to talk. Um, guys, we don't like to talk as much as ladies typically, but, but we still like to talk. I like to talk. Um, and so people want to be heard. So often, our, the trouble that guys have oftentimes is that we want to, we're, we're thinking about an, an answer to give back or a way to fix something, right? When, when our wives talk to us or when someone's talking, we're wanting to, to come back and give, give them a quick answer and a, a, put a Band-Aid on it or whatever and go about the rest of our business. But what, what if we just sit down and listen to someone? Everyone has a story that they want to share, and, and we need to become intentional with listening. Not only listening to them, but listening to God and the Holy Spirit and, and saying, God, what's, what's next? What are you telling me about this person? And being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Not only does everyone have a story, but you have a story. And so share your story with other people. You can do that when you're eating. You can do that when you're hanging out with them at the ball field. But listen to people's stories and then share your story. And, and in that... Point not to yourself as the hero, but point to Jesus as the hero of your story. That's how you share the good news and you start uh, having those opportunities to, to share. And then the, the last three are, are things that we really enjoy doing. We love celebrating. Think about the celebrations that you do. You have birthdays, anniversaries, um, you know, Valentine's Day and Fourth of July and Halloween's coming up and, and things like that. There, there's lots of things that we celebrate, that our neighbors celebrate, that our coworkers celebrate, and even that the city of Statesville celebrates. And what if we just come alongside them and we, we'd be like Jesus and we'd be the person who, um, when he went to a party, he brought the better wine to the party. He brought the life to the party. And he served I bet Jesus was the one that at, at parties would stick around and help clean up afterwards. What if we did just started living a good news life like that and we helped someone clean up after their party or whatever? But we celebrate with people. We celebrate with our neighbors when they, when they have a birthday or we celebrate, you know, we invite our neighbors into our kids' birthdays parties or whatever. We just celebrate. And then blessing, that's a, that's a fun one. You just go and bless people just to bless them with no expectation of anything in return. You can bless someone. Think of someone that, you, that, that maybe is having a hard week and you can just go and be a blessing to. And then the last thing is that we get to rest and, and have recreation 
because Jesus has done the work for us. He has done the work, and, and because he, he's done the work for us, we can rest. We can actually sit back and say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. And we can actually have a, enjoy a Sabbath and rest. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. And so we can actually rest. Wouldn't it be nice to say, I'm going to take some time and just rest, or I'm going to go enjoy uh, some recreation with my family, and, and I'm going to turn my phone, and I'm going to set it off to the side and not, not answer it for a little while because the world doesn't depend on Tim, and I'm not the answer to all the, the world's problems. It would be nice to, to be able to do that, and because of Jesus, we get to do those things. So I want to encourage you, as you think about being the hands and feet of Jesus, it's not really a huge thing. It can, be, it can be great. You can go and build houses. You can go and do lots of fun things. But it's in the everyday, the, the mundane, everyday, day in, day out stuff of life that, that we really miss. And that's really what God's called us to. We, we have thousands of mundane moments in our life, and we might have a couple of big events in our life. Seek to, to live out the gospel in those mundane moments of your life. And, and you'll find joy. You'll find rest. You'll find peace. You'll find satisfaction in that. And you'll start to get to share the story of God. And you'll start to see saturation happen as the gospel is shared and as people come to Christ. And, and it, it's a great thing. It's an exciting thing. And that's what gets you, gets you moving uh, because we know who God is and we know who we are. So my, my last question for you is, what's next for you? God has called us to obedience. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, maybe your first act of obedience needs to be recognizing who God is and recognizing who you are and saying, God, I need you. I'm in desperate need of you. I need salvation. So that might be your first act of obedience. But if you are a follower of Christ... What's next for you? What's the next step of obedience that God's calling you to? I heard a guy say one time, he was, he was praying and asking, God, what should I do? Spirit, teach me what's next. And he, he just felt this gentle nudging to move his grill from the backyard to the front yard. He lived in a subdivision, and, and he felt like God was saying, just, just move your grill from the backyard where you're closed in to the front yard, where you can be out and see people walking on the street and you can talk with them and have conversations. And he was like, really? This is, this is weird. This is, people don't do that. But, but he, he said, okay, I'm going to, you know, that's a simple thing. I can do that. So he wheeled his grill out and he started cooking in his front yard. And he said, through that, God opened so many doors of conversations for people that were walking by his neighborhood, walking their dogs, you know, jogging by, kids out there playing, and he built so many relationships that he never would have had just being in the backyard by moving his grill to the front yard and, and being available. That's really what hospitality is. It's just making yourself available to others. And as Christians, Christian hospitality is making yourself available to others for the purpose of, of sharing Christ with them. And so just ask God, what's next for me? What is the next step I need to take? Daniel's going to come forward. Let me pray for us, and then he's going to close us out. God, thank you for this day and for the opportunity to be here today. Um, 
Lord, sometimes I feel like we really make it much more difficult than what it really is. You've called us to, um, to recognize who we are in you, to see that you are holy and set apart. You've, you've then allowed us to see who we are and, and the, our desperate need for you. And through that, you send us out as we respond to you in obedience. You save us. You then send us and equip us with your Holy Spirit to go into this world, to make disciples, to be good news people, to be your hands and feet, and to share the message of Jesus with others. Lord, I pray today that that would be our heart, that we would, uh, that we would respond to you, that we would seek to be obedient to what you've called us to. In Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.